Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, here with your favorite daily Florida State sports show. Today, we're going to dive into the receivers again. Florida State got commit from Ill, committed from Illinois transfer wide receiver Deuce Span. Doesn't have much on the stat sheet, but what he does have is very exciting. I watched some of his highlights, and I'm going to tell you why I'm fired up about him. I'm also going to dive into a listener question around the staff, properly using talent, how that applies to Deuce, as well as some other kids on this roster, and why I'm a little worried about guys who maybe don't come in fully formed under this coaching staff. And then I'm going to go a little more high level. I'm going to talk about the news today that Texas A&M dropped something in the neighborhood of 30 to $40 million in NIL deals to get the highest rated football recruiting class ever. Why I think it matters, but why it's not the end of the world. The sky is not falling and why I think we're, we're going to be okay. So let's dive into it. Got a great show for you today. If you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, hit the thumbs up, hit the bell in the top corner for notifications. And if you have a question you want answered on a later episode, comment down below and I'll get, I'll get to it. I love the listener questions. Love the engagement from all of y'all. And I love that you're here every single day, Monday through Friday. If you're on the podcast, you're one of the OGs. We love you just as much. Make sure you're following. So we pop to the top of your queue every single day, Monday through Friday. Let's dive into the show today, folks. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, folks, again, welcome back. As you can see, my wall is finally painted. I got pictures hung up and I'm fully moved into the command center in Marietta, Georgia. And, you know, yeah, it was a good new year. Hope you all had a wonderful Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate. Hope you had a great New Year's. I know I did, had family in town and it was wonderful. And as like a a little little sprinkle on top of that, a little cherry on top of my New Year's champagne glass, I guess that got a little convoluted. Deuce Span, receiver out of Illinois, six foot four, 195 pounds, St. Petersburg native, committed to the Florida State Seminoles. Now, folks, that is the third, count it, the third wide receiver that has committed to the Florida State Seminoles from the transfer portal. Deuce Span was a three star uh, quarterback recruit, actually, coming out of St. Petersburg, Florida, went to Lakewood High School, I believe. Let me double check that. You went to Lakewood down there. Yeah, I went to Lakewood High School. He was number 28th rated dual threat quarterback in his class. Got, and this was in 2020. Gets up to Illinois, decides to switch over to wide receiver for more playing time. Now, what's interesting is that you can tell he's a great athlete, right? Because his stats are five receptions, kind of low, for 124 yards. That's a 24.8 yard average per reception. He also has two touchdowns and one that he caught at like the two yard line. So he was about a yard and a half, maybe two yards from having three of his five catches be for touchdowns. I've never seen anything like that before. That's, That's pretty insane. So I had to do some digging. Sorry, quick water break. So I went, I watched all five of his catches and initially I thought, hey, maybe maybe he's just really fast and just runs downhill and, you know, he gets behind defenders and just catches the ball, right? Not the case. His ball tracking skills are pretty incredible. I watched his one touchdown 
I had one touchdown that really impressed me. He goes on just a really simple, it's kind of a post route. So, well, he's going to the third letter in Virginia's end zone. So kind of in that area. And the ball comes in. He's got a quarterback that he's got beat. He's, he's past him. The safety comes over and looks like he's going to take his head off. And Deuce watches the ball fall right into the basket, holds onto it, takes a pretty pretty big hit from the safety. And he's only 195 pounds. So um, a hit that would have made me drop the ball for sure, hangs onto it. And it just showed, again, his ability to track the ball in the air. And he's pretty sure-handed, even when he's getting hit. Now, his next one is setting up a touchdown. Same thing, except without the safety over the top. Uh, again, tracks a ball from over his back shoulder, right at, right through the air, makes a contested catch, goes down, holds onto the ball. And that's kind of what we need. Um, we need guys that can, A, catch the football in contested situations. If you watch Florida State this year, you know we need guys who can catch the football in contested situations. We also need height. So, yeah, we had three scholarship wide receivers, it looks like, that were above 6'3". We had Kentron Portier, we had Malik McLean, and we had Darian Williamson. They will all be back this coming year, which is great. And now we've added Johnny Wilson at 6'7", and we're adding Deuce Span at 6'4". So we're really increasing our threats on the outside. And that's something we need, right? This is an offense that is built for playmakers. It's one that needs people who can make a play in a situation where you need them to make a play. Now, I know that sounds kind of just like, Max, what do you mean make a play when we need them to make a play? What I mean is we cannot scheme guys open every single play. You know, that's one talking point that I just, I hear over and over again from this fan base. And it's not y'all's fault because I hear it from the media too, right? You got to scheme guys open when you don't have the receiver talent. And that's true. But scheming them open means you're tricking the defense. You can only trick a division one defense so many times in a given game. You run 50 to 70 plays in the game. They're not going to fall for your stuff every single play. Eventually, you've got to get guys on the outside that can look at a cornerback and say, hey, you know, I'm running a route. I know you're trying to cover me and I'm going to run the route faster. I'm going to be more physical. And if those two things don't work when the ball is in the air, I'm going to go up above your head and I'm going to grab that football and I'm coming down with that mother because this is my football and we need a first down and I'm not going to let you take that away from me. And when you get dudes like that on the roster, right, you get a six, seven, a six, four, even a Micah Pittman, who's a stocky five eleven, and you get the Malik McLean's at six, four, those kinds of guys, right? Those are the guys that make those plays and That's what we've been missing. Now I want to talk a little bit about the coaching staff. And if I think this is the staff to take advantage of this sort of influx in talent I'm seeing. And then I'm gonna talk about the NIL stuff. But first, let me tell you guys about our friends that make all of this happen. And that is GetUpside. GetUpside is an incredible app that everyone who buys gas needs to know about. People are making 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up, making, not paying. You just got to download the GetUpside app in the App Store or the Google Play Store right now and use promo code SCORE and get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. So don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE to get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on the first gas tank you fill up your car with when you use the GetUpside app. 
Some people who drive a lot more are making as much as two or 300 bucks a month in cashback, and there's no catch. The cashback gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE. And after you're done with that, you're gonna have a little more money in your pocket. And what better thing to do with money than make more money? I know football season's winding down, but the NFL's going nuts. We're gonna have playoffs soon. The uh, college basketball's picking up. The MLB is even gonna start soon. The NBA is already in full swing. And if you like hockey, well, that's back too. So make sure you guys go to betonline.ag, use promo code locked on, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just for using promo code locked on at betonline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait. Take advantage of all the new amazing offers at betonline.ag where the game starts. Folks, if it's your first time here, thanks for sticking around. Make sure you subscribe, make sure that you hit a, hit a like and make sure that you've commented whatever questions you want me to answer in the future. If it is not your first time here, you know that I'm a realist. I am the first one, you know what? I'm an optimistic realist is how I put it. I am always gonna give my team and my boys the benefit of the doubt because if I don't have Florida State football, I got nothing, right? I don't have a pro team. Don't really follow other sports. Uh, I follow Florida State sports on the hardwood, on the diamond, and on on the grass or the turf, whatever we use, you know? Football, basketball, baseball. Follow the ladies on the soccer pitch. I follow the ladies on the diamond because they are killing it the past five years. But other than that, like, I, I need us to be good. So I will always be optimistic. Now, I was the one, by the way, last year who said Jordan Travis is the guy. He can do this. And look at how he did for us but I also have to bring in a little dose of realism. I gotta sprinkle some stuff in and say, hey, I don't know if this is headed in the right direction. And I see us get Micah Pittman. And I see us get Johnny Wilson. And I see us get uh, Deuce over here. And I look at guys like Kentron Portier, who I think have potential. And I look at guys like Malik McLean, who I know have potential. And then I look at guys like Josh Burrell, who once he's healthy, kid squats like 550 pounds, he's got potential. And I just have to keep asking the question, does any of that matter if they're not coached properly? I look at a guy like Deuce Span most importantly because he is, to me, what I would call a project. He is tall. He's fast as all get out. He has good hands. All the things I talked about in my earlier on the show. But guys, there's a lot more to playing receiver than that. Guys and girls, I apologize. There's a lot more to playing receiver than just the physical attributes. There is, do you know how to run your routes and adjust them properly based on what coverage you're seeing at the line of scrimmage? There's, do you know how to find the soft spots in defense and sit down and wait for a ball in certain situations? Do you know when to not give up on a route? Because we saw multiple games during bowl season of guys just, I mean, Michigan did it like two or three times, where the guys just quit on the route. The uh, Georgia guy doesn't quit. One, I think, was an interception, and one was a missed touchdown opportunity by Michigan. You need a coach that teaches kids how to play the position. And if your coach sucks at teaching kids how to play the position, well, you need a coach that gets the best talent into the room so he can make up for his deficit there. And right now we have an offensive wide receiver coach that does neither of those things. I'm sorry. I know he was a seminal. I know he did great things as a player, but Ron Dugan just ain't getting it done. And I, and this, by the way, is responding to LaTerrence Clark's question where he essentially asks, right, like, we said, they're, you know, are they going to use the talent right? And are they going to play the guys on the team in a way that helps them win? I don't know. Because it's not just playing the guys right. 
It's not just doing the right things with the guys once you put them on the field. It's teaching them five days a week at practice. It's teaching them during spring ball, teaching them during camp to get them ready to ex- to be able to execute at the level we need. And I don't know if Ron Dugans is that guy. I sure as hell know he's not that guy on the recruiting trail. He's just, he's not that guy, pal. We signed zero prep wide receivers. And I know people are going to come in the comments. If you're typing this out right now, just I'm with you. You're going to say at the transfer portal. How many of these guys have been like, oh, Ron Dugans was the guy that landed me. It was definitely Ron Dugans because Micah Pittman, that was all Kenny Dillingham before he left. That was his present to us before he dipped out. That was Kenny uh, Kenny Dillingham and Mike Norvell, maybe a sprinkle of Dugans, maybe. And I'm still not confident that Dugans had anything to do with it. Then we get Johnny Wilson because of Mike Norvell's Arizona ties, probably. And Johnny Wilson also went to Calabasas High School with, guess who? Micah Pittman. That probably helped in the recruiting. Not giving Ron Dugans credit for that one either. Deuce Span, man, okay, maybe he had something to do with it, but I'm not going to let one receiver just completely negate a total whiff in the recruiting class when you knew we needed receivers and a total failure by our current receivers to play the way they needed to play. And I, I got a comment, uh, I guess about a week ago, essentially saying, well, Max, what do you what do you want the coach to do when guys drop balls, run wrong routes, do this, that, listed like five wrong things? Here, let's play a game. We have a bunch of dudes on the roster in Portier, in Burrell, in McLean, even Parchment to some degree, in Ontario, Wilson. Uh, why am I blanking right now? And anyway, several, several talented, just objectively talented receivers on this team. So is it more likely that all of these kids who have different brains, different, like respond to things differently, come from different high schools, et cetera, but were rated as good players coming out of high school and we can see with our eyes have talent. Is it more likely that all of them for different reasons have not been able to put it together and become good wide receivers? Or is it more likely that the singular choke point through which all of the wide receivers on the team filtered, that's Ron Dugans, the coach, is failing at his job. And that's why five, six, or seven kids who have objective talent haven't panned out. You have to answer that question for yourself. But for me, option two is the much more likely, and that's what I'm going with. Now, that takes me to a larger issue. I think back to 2011, 2012, when Jimbo, you know, was a little, eh, let's see. And then 2013 happened. We all put our head in the water and we rinsed all the shampoo of failure out of our hair. And it was like, oh, yes, we're back. (laughs) Oh, us sweet, sweet summer children. Little did we know that winter was coming. And I look back and I think, where were the cracks, right? Like, what should we have seen about Jimbo? that we knew it wasn't going to last very long. And the biggest one I think a lot of people point to, at least that sticks out in my mind, is the stubbornness of coaching decisions. We just saw the defense getting worse and worse and worse. Instead of firing him, when we knew he wasn't a Jeremy Pruitt, we just kept giving Charles Kelly raises and extensions. And then when Jimbo left, did he take Charles Kelly with him? No, because he knew, but he wanted to be stubborn. He wanted, he valued control and continuity of the program from his perspective, from his point of view, over progress and development of the program as a whole is 
Ron Dugan's the guy to develop the talent we're getting in. And if he's not, I just got like Norvell, what the hell is he doing here? Why is he here? Is he here because he's a great recruiter? Well, we already know that's not true. Is he here because he's a wonderful developer of talent? We haven't seen it. So again, I ask, is he here just to have continuity amongst your staff? If that's why you're keeping him around, I frankly feel like that's one of two things at best. At best, it's a loser mentality. It's a, you know, we're just going to roll with what we've got. We're not going to take a swing for like a great young up and coming recruiter and try to see if we can get someone better in here. We'll just we'll roll with what we got because it's, it's kind of working. At worst, it's hubris and it's arrogance where Mike Norbell believes that his staff is just the best there is, despite the results he's seeing on the field. I, I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, but it's something I'm going to check closely. Finally, I want to talk about this NIL stuff. You know, I had a listener question, I think a week ago, where I, I got to talk about it a bit. And then um, it came up again today with the Texas A&M thing. And I want to give my opinion on it because I'm getting a lot of questions about it. Got several DMs, texts from my friends, our group chat, our other host, it was blowing up. So that's something I want to talk about. But first, got to tell the folks about NetSuite. NetSuite is one of the top cloud financial softwares to power your growth as a business. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. With over 28,000 businesses already using NetSuite, it can't be wrong. So for the new year, NetSuite has decided to go ahead and hook you up with a new financing program for those of you ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked. So go to netsuite.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. netsuite.com slash locked. Man, this NIL stuff, we're screwed. Once Texas A&M figures it out, we're all done. There's just no way we can compete. I don't know. I don't know. Look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's not a big deal that Texas A&M is throwing around that kind of money. I'm also not going to tell you that it's just the bag men coming to light because it's not. Uh, I'm not in Texas A&M's bag man network. Federal agents are listening. I'm definitely not. But I would bet they weren't dropping that kind of money through cash drops and getting, you know, kids, parents, artwork off of Etsy and all the other techniques that no one used, but everyone knew they were using. There's no way they were dropping 30 mil. So this is a new number. It's a big number. It's a scary number. But it's the first year. I mean, right now, Texas A&M, they're the richest guy on the block. They just moved into a new house and they're going nutso on Amazon, right? They're buying new curtains. They're buying new drapes. They're buying new couches. They've got four TVs on their wall, doing all kinds of stuff. And the number is getting big. And you're thinking, man, this guy's dropping a lot of money. But I don't know if it's sustainable. You know, I, I look at Texas A&M and they're a good team. And they've been getting great recruiting classes. 
But I think there's a couple fundamental problems with relying on NIL. Number one, someone's got to write that check. It's not the university. Now, why does that matter? Well, if the New York Giants are paying the salaries of their team, right? Everyone on the team gets their salary, right? And they decide they don't like the coach. They're going to deal with that, but they're still going to pay the salaries of the people on the team. Now, if you have a huge booster who, let's say he's contributed $5 million, pledged. And remember, most of these, by the way, are pledges. I don't know about these specific NIL deals, but when boosters give money, they don't often write one check. They do a pledge so they can break it up over several years. So let's say they've pledged $5 million over, let me make the math easy. Let's say $10 million over 10 years. And that's a good, that's a good chunk of change. Rich people, by the way, they don't like wasting money. No one does, but rich people, they, they expect an ROI. So these boosters are who the schools or the, the program is now relying on to get the good talent to come to their schools. So what happens when this guy's pledged $10 million over 10 years and he's sitting up in the booth and he's watching Texas A&M lose their fourth game of the year for the third year in a row? Is he going to be that excited to keep writing checks when they call him up in July and they say, Hey man, ready? Can we get that next million dollars? Does he really want to do that? Is he going to say, well, let me try to give you three or four for this year. and Let's see if we can really do it. Or is he going to look back and say, Hey, um, you guys just had the best recruiting class of all time and you lost three games the next year. And then the next year you lost three more. We're no closer to a national championship than we have been for the past two decades. What the heck am I spending my money on? And he decides to pull his funding. Well, now you got kids that were there under the pretense of NIL deals. And you have a pledge say that's not there anymore because the guy's like, man, I don't really want to give my mind to that. Well, you're going to get kids in the transfer portal and you're just going to be making the rest of college football richer with your recruits. It's not going to happen exactly like that. But as much as there's the hypothetical of what if Texas A&M has a $50 million a year payroll, I think that other hypothetical I just gave you is equally valid. Another problem is the sheer size of a college football team. If 85 scholarship players, college football is not one by one player. It's not one by three. It's not one by five. I still believe genuinely in my right here, my heart of hearts, under my vest, under my flannel. It's a little cold up here today. I believe that championships are won by the two deep. I think the team with the most net talent and their two deep roster, their 44 man starters and backups is the one that's going to win championships, assuming all other things being equal, right? Injuries, coaches, whatever, but you got to have a two deep. You hear about these six figure seven, let's go to the seven. Let's go real big, right? Seven figure NIL deals. If you're dropping a million bucks on a Quinn Ewers. Okay. How many NFL teams have we seen? NFL teams that are not relying on pledges from donors to do these deals, that just have a payroll off of the revenue they generate, lose themselves championships by paying one player so much money they cannot afford to put a good team around them. Pull out your phone or go to another tab in your browser and Google how many years was Tom Brady the highest paid quarterback in the NFL? And then try to put the pieces together of maybe there's a reason Tom Brady has more rings than anyone in NFL history. You think that problem's not gonna trickle down to the college level? 
So is it going to make Texas A&M great that they can commit this much money? Yeah, sure. But they already have tons of money. They're already throwing so much money at it. They don't know what to do with it. I do not think this is going to create a complete class divide of like these guys in Texas A&M, Texas, uh, Alabama, and the rest of us. Because A, that already exists, right? I mean, we're already seeing it. But B, I don't think it's sustainable. And the final reason that I think there's, there's more than meets the eye when we see this first deal. One moment. Is coaches are making outlandish sums of money right now. And who's paying for that? The boosters. The school pays for some of it. Sure. Yeah, whatever. But the money, you know, is moving around. There's a shell game. Booster contributions are the reason they're able to do this. So let's go back to Joe Q Moneybags. And when Joe Moneybags is sitting in the stands and he's pledged 10 million over 10 years, he flew down on his private jet from West Texas with his buddy who's pledged 5 million over the next 10 years. And, you know, their other buddy who maybe just sprinkled in a little two and a half mil for the next five years. They're losing their third or fourth game. Well, what are they going to want? They're going to want results and they can't start the next season right away. They just can't. They can't call up college football and say, hey, could you guys uh, run the season back real quick so we can get more wins? Because we paid a lot of money for these tickets. Absolutely not. So they're going to want to do something that they can control and they're going to want to get rid of a coach. Now, maybe this isn't Texas A&M. Maybe this is Texas. This could be any university. But my point is, if they're not seeing a return on the investment they've made in these signing classes, they're going to want that coach gone. Problem is today's going rate for a great head coach is what? Nine, nine and a half million dollars a year. What's it going to be in three years? Is it going to be 11? Or if Chip Kelly doesn't work out in five years at LSU, are they going to drop $13 million a year on their head coach? I don't know. But if you're in those kind of contracts, they're already seeing these nine and nine, nine and a half, $10 million a year contracts. And these big money boosters decide they want the coach gone or they're not going to be paying these NIL deals on which the entire success of the recruiting trail or the success of the recruiting operation is predicated you're going to have to get rid of the coach because if, if you don't have the NIL deal money coming in, well, that coach is dead in the water anyway. So you're going to have to listen to these guys because if they're writing checks for NIL deals, they're probably writing checks for other things too, like coaches' salaries or other program and facility funding things that let you pay this huge coaching salary. So now you're on the hook for a big buyout. So if you find yourself in a situation where a school decides to let go of a coach and they're on the hook for this big buyout and a lot of their booster money is tied up and these NIL deals, because they're making these huge outlandish promises. Maybe that works once. Now they got to go. Now you're going to pay a buyout and they're going to have to go pay again, 10, 11 million dollars to get a great coach. What if he doesn't work out? The point I'm making is that when you have this kind of level of coach pay that you have to fund and these buyouts that we see in these contracts, it's going to get really hard. Like, so, like something's got to give is what I'm saying. Either. You're going to have to start paying coaches less so that way the boosters can afford these NIL deals. Or you're going to have to lower the NIL deals so you can pay these coaching buyouts because coaches are going to get fired as sure as the sun will rise. The crows will crow or crawl, whatever they do. And the sun will set in the West. Coaches are going to get fired. So I just wonder, when does it stop? When do people start to go, you know, maybe we're not getting a, the ROI we want here. Now, what I think some smart people would tell me is, Max, 
what we're concerned about is Texas A&M can do all of it, right? They can buy out any coach they want. They can pay for any coach they want, and they can fund these NIL deals. Maybe. But the number one recruiting class isn't always the champion. The number two isn't always the champion. And every kid, by the way, doesn't choose to go to school just based on NIL deal. Facilities are still going to matter. Coaching is still going to matter. The ability to produce talent into the NFL, or sorry, get talent into the NFL is still going to matter. There are going to be a multitude of factors that go into a kid's recruitment. Proximity to home is still going to matter. Okay. So do I think it's a big deal? Yes. Do I think we are behind the eight ball? Yes. Do I think there's anything we can do about it? Yes and no. We can get into that in a later episode. But do I think the sky's falling? No. Let's all take a breath. That was a lot of words. And let's just let this germinate in our heads and see what seeds sprout. And hopefully they're calming seeds of relaxation. And we look at the transfers we're bringing in and we say, hey, maybe we're on our way to getting back to at least the upper echelon of the ACC and we can worry about Texas A&M blowing $30 million a year on recruiting classes later, and we'll see if it's sustainable. Thanks for sticking around, guys. I love having you here every single day of the week, five days a week, which I guess is pretty much every single day, Monday through Friday. I'm your host, Max, and this was Locked On Seminoles. <laughs>